You're listening to a sermon podcast from Paramount Church in Columbus, Ohio. To learn more, visit ParamountColumbus.com. Well, good morning. Thank you, <laughs> Bill and Court. I know you lost an hour, so I'm going to try to be as simple as I can this morning, and you can uh, listen easily. Um, it's amazing how that hour affects. I never set an alarm, um, but we were up a little late last night, and I needed to really be up early this morning, and so I set an alarm, and it was just the Lord because I'm telling you I was dead to the world. I resurrected this morning. My <laughs> phone went off, and I think I about leaped out of the bed. I had not heard a noise like that in a long time. Um, so... I'm grateful that you're here. If you're not here, I'm grateful that you're online and that you're watching. And our prayer is that our hearts will be open to receive the word this morning and uh, that we will fellowship and we'll eat together as we gather around the word of God and that he will change us. So let me begin. Um, I'm going to read uh, uh, several passages of scripture here real quick. And um, they should all be up on the screen. Um, Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way. And the perverted mouth I hate. My note here has ant. So, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction in a haughty spirit before stumbling. Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. 1 Peter 5, 5-7. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders and all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. James 4, 6-10 through 10, But He gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Let's pray together this morning one more time. And Father, we thank you. We pray that you bless the reading of your word. It is alive. It is power. It is everything that will go forth and accomplish its work. And we take great confidence in the scriptures, not in ourselves, but the things that you have spoken, that you have told us in your word, that it goes forth and the Holy Spirit uses us to change us. It converts people from death to life. So this morning, we again, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. We're grateful that you are here with us. Make our hearts yes to you today, again. And as always, we pray for the one who doesn't know you as Savior and Lord. Today would be their day of salvation. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Why God hates pride and arrogance is what we are titling this message this morning. We are in short and stout. We're going through some of the smallest books of the Bible uh, in this series, and we are beginning today in Obadiah. Um, You may need to go to the index of your Bible. If not, you're probably grateful for an electronic device that pulls it up for you. It may be abbreviated OBA. Um, It's uh, Joel Amos Obadiah. So if you're around there, that's, that's where we're going. That's the shortest book in the Old Testament. Um, this morning, we're going to take what I call a spiritual, a spiritual exam. You take a physical, 
I have a physical scheduled here in, what, maybe next week? Um, yeah, I do this about once a year. They tell me you're at that age where you really need to be doing this. They tell me a lot of other things at that physical also. Um, and they examine me. Hey, Mr. King, you know you're a little overweight. Yes, I know that. I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. My clothes fit. I buy them to fit. Uh, I don't like exercise. Um, I love to eat. I love to eat, like really... I really enjoy food. Even Pastor Rush, like one, I know this is not to be lighthearted, but be fearful about getting, if you're fearful about getting COVID, it would be because you would lose your taste buds. Now, there's a lot of other bad things, trust me. I, I mean, little lightheartedness, don't, don't come after me, but love to eat. But they tell me, hey, blood pressure's a little high. So is your cholesterol. That's great, because they can give you a pill for that, (laughs) which is not really good for me, because I can take two pills in the morning, and everything stays normal. So I continue to not exercise and to eat the way that I want to eat, because the pill is taking care of this. A physical, we go and we get an exam, and there are things that we should take serious. You should exercise. You should eat properly in those things, not because it's going to lengthen my life, but it may help me to stay healthy as I serve the Lord all the days of my life. So as I make fun or laugh at my bad example of a physical life, this morning we're going to take a look at a spiritual. We're going to look at ourselves spiritually this morning. Not only this morning, I want you to take this this morning and carry it with you through the week. And I want you to examine yourself through the week. Obadiah, the smallest book in the Old Testament. We don't know really much about anything about Obadiah. Uh, There's just nothing that's really told about him. Uh, He is a prophet. And in the prophets, when they speak, it was just the very words of God were being spoken. God had given them a word, and it was taken as God speaking. God is speaking. These are the words of God himself. Obadiah, his name actually means called, a sent one, a servant of the Lord. So on our exam, and it's like in a physical, you always have all these questions that they ask you, and it's about your history. And they want to know different things about you because that helps them as they look at your your physical health and things that you might have inherited from your parents. So I have a question for you on the pre-exam question. A form that you would fill out is going, are you a called one? Are you chosen? Are you a follower of Christ? Are you a servant of the Lord? There's two boxes here. One says no, and one says yes. You can check whichever one applies to you. But if you check no, then you don't know Christ. Today, you should come to Christ. Right now, you should come to Christ. You should, hopefully, if you are reaching that point that somebody has shared the gospel, well, you've probably been shared with the gospel many times. Salvation is a process. There is a sowing of a seed, there is a watering, and there is a reaping. If you have been sown and you have been watered and you know you need to Jesus, you come to Jesus now. You don't have to wait to the end of this. But if you have more questions, you should seek somebody out and ask them, tell me once again about the gospel. Tell me about Jesus. You should come to Christ. And then if you happen to check the box and it says yes, are you proclaiming the word of God? We don't receive visions. God can do whatever he wants. We don't normally receive dreams. His word has been spoken. It's been written down. There's no need to add to it anymore. It is it's here. It's complete. And yet we have it, and every time that we use it and take it, we are speaking the very words of God. We are all like prophets, in a sense, in a comparison. When you go and you tell somebody, thus saith the Lord, we don't speak like that. But if I'm going and I'm sharing the gospel and I'm starting a spiritual conversation with someone and try 
excuse me, trying to share the gospel, then I am using the scriptures to say this is how you come to Christ. This is how God has demonstrated his love for you. This is what it means to come to Jesus. So, one of the questions that you can ask this morning, are you proclaiming? Are you going and proclaiming the gospel, speaking the very words of God? Because as we have talked about before, in this difficult day where we've been shut in and protected, guarded, we're even distanced, we're greeting one another who we love, and we don't know whether to shake hands this morning or fist bump or bump an elbow or, oh, you're one that I can hug. We are still going to go and make disciples, proclaim the gospel. Are you doing that this morning? Speaking the very words of God to people who need to hear. And we need to do it with one another. We encourage one another with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Speaking truth to one another. Truth, the scriptures. The words that we sang this morning. There's a, word, there's, there's a line in there. When faith shall become sight. I can't wait for that day. Just can't imagine. So we'll read in Obadiah 1 through 4, the vision, that's the verses we'll cover this morning, the vision of Obadiah, thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord, and an envoy has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise and let us go against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You are greatly despised. The Lord is speaking here. He says, The arrogance of your heart has deceived you. Arrogance, pride, interchangeable here. You who live in the clefts of the rock in the loftiness of your dwelling place, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the earth? Though you build high like the eagle, though you set your nest among the stars from there, God answers his own question. He says, I'll bring you down, declares the Lord. This is the vision that God gave to Obadiah concerning Edom, the Edomites. These are the descendants of Esau. What you really have here is a picture of God's long-suffering patience and kindness. It doesn't read that way because judgment's coming. But if you go and you study this more and more, four different times in the Old Testament, the Edomites had come against God's people. They have attacked Jerusalem. And instead of we're coming out of the same bloodline, we are blood. They are opposed to one another. And it's happened several times. And here it seems is going, this is it. God's finally going to say, enough. Enough. He will stand for his people. He will keep his promises as we sang this morning. And he will provide. We will suffer along the way, but eventually he will. He will take care of his people. He will step in and say, enough. Family feud going on here. And as we talked last week in, in, in restoration, I, it caused me to think, what if somebody would have dug in on the deep work of reconciliation, restoration, what might have been different? Let's go back to two brothers. And, we, and what kind of grace story could have possibly been told? But pride, pride keeps that from happening. And yet in, in our pride, in what the scriptures tell us, pride and arrogance leads to destruction. What you have here is God is going to rally the nations around there. These people are despised in their haughtiness and in their pridefulness and in multiple ways and the way that they've treated others and the way that they have treated and, and attacked Jerusalem and that all those around, he's going to take the heathen nations and he's going to bring them together and he's going, you know what? I'm going to bring you down. I'm going to bring you down. 
So this morning, what I want us to do, and we'll look at here, our spiritual exam, we're going to focus on pride and arrogance. We're going to look at our lives and examine our hearts and saying, hey, why does God hate pride and arrogance? The first part of the exam is going to be pride and arrogance makes us feel big. In verse 2 he says, Behold, I will make you you small among the nations you are greatly despised. They think of themselves as very big. They're in control. We'll look here in a minute of where they're actually living. But they're feeling very big. They're, they're, They're the powerful people of the land. And instead of helping a brother, or helping a weaker nation, they will do things to attack them and to belittle them and keep them crushed down. And they sit in their loftiness and they just feel extremely big and powerful about themselves. Questions for you as part of our exam this morning. Do you feel big this morning? You have areas of your life, your heart, where you feel big. Do you have times where you think you're superior to others? Do you have times of anger in your heart towards others? Because I'm clearly more important, right? And you didn't do what needed to be done, and you thwarted. You have times where your anger towards others? Do you have desires that lead you to manipulate others to get what you want? Because you aren't doing what I would like for you to do. Here, I'll go and I'll work it this way so that in my bigness and my importance, I'll I'll accomplish and I'll get what I want. You have times where you exalt yourself instead of others? Here's an area, especially in work, totally contrary to what the world would say. Always thought job interviews were really just weird for a Christian. You're just supposed to go in there and just build yourself up. Tell them how great you are. Why they should hire you. Can't believe you made it this far without me. It's astounding. But that do you? And those who are in leadership, do you serve those that, that work for you and you would exalt them? Do you long for people to get the promotion instead of yourself? You would, you would be satisfied to stay where you are? Do you worship yourself more than God? These are warning signs. So if you see and we look and we continue through this week and we're, 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 we're examining ourselves and we're looking for those things that would rise up in us and say, hmm, that seems to be extremely prideful. Arrogance. Examine those thoughts, your actions, your heart. Do you feel big? God says, I'll make you small. Here's another section on the exam, and it says why God hates pride and arrogance. It goes, it makes us feel safe. Pride and arrogance will rise up in us, and it'll make us feel safe. Verses 3 and 4, he says, the arrogance of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in the loftiness of your dwelling place, who say in your heart, who will bring me down? Who will bring me down? Edom, they're located in a in a in, in the uh, a mountainous terrain that is basically almost impossible and impregnable to attack. The capital city was Petra. Now, by the grace of God, in a couple of trips that I've taken to the other side of the world, I have actually been to Petra. At one point in time, if you Google it, it is it is listed as maybe one of the 
uh, seven, one of the seven wonders of the world. I don't know whether that's long gone and that ages me. I don't know what seven wonders, but I, at one point there was seven wonders of the world. Pyramids being, I think, another one. I've been to both of those places. You talk about a bucket list? I've never even had a bucket list. I don't, I don't know that I believe in a bucket list. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, but I, I hear I went to this place. And so when I look at this, going Petra is, it's in a mountainous area that is like from the west, I believe. You can't even get to it. It's, it ranges in heights of 5,700 feet above sea level. The, even the entrance that you go into this day, it's, it, you walk through mountains and you look up and sometimes the, the rocks itself, they're like 300, 400 feet high and, it, and it's narrow. It's just this crack and this opening in this rock. And it comes down and at some parts you may be 75 or 100 feet wide and then it'll narrow down and it's like sometimes it's only 20 feet. And here people are passing in and out to make it to this place where Petra is actually located. And everything there is carved out of rock. It's carved out of the side of a mountain. And it's red in color. It's, it's, it's just astounding. It's gorgeous. But even in that path, there's where, places where you walk. I was there that day and I was sick as a dog. One of the sickest days of my life, I'm going, but I'm not missing this. I'm eating medication to help me. That's enough. <laughs> to try to make it through this day. And guys are saying, hey, you going to walk this? And it's like, no, you can ride a donkey up there. And they started trying to make me, oh, you're going to ride a donkey? Yeah, I'm going to put my fat butt up on that donkey and I'm going to ride to that other side. <laughs> That's the only way I'll make it. But in that, there's you, you got a guy who is pulling your donkey, you know, and we're we're on a place where I'm telling you, it's rock. And here's this little donkey that I'm sitting on, and he's struggling to carry me. Right? And then he starts to weave off to this path, and he I go pull him back, and the guy looks at me and goes, No, donkey, no way, donkey, no way. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like two thousand feet drop off. I'm thinking in America, this ain't happening. There's some kind of rails or something up here. And then another time we make a veer over and it happens to be for, you know, there was a tent he's about to run into and the guy goes, no, 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 come on in. And I say, hey, donkey, no way, donkey, no way. <laughs> you get to this place, this, this, it's, it's, it, it literally is almost impregnable. It's astounding. And this is where they are living. Because you get a picture, more they're, they're, High, they're lifted up. They are confident. We are in a safe place. You can't get to us. You can't. So in our question, go, what makes you feel safe? And what wells up in us and says, man, if I got this, I'm safe. I'm good. I'm comfortable. Here's another way to look at it. What do you worry about? What do you fear to lose? What measures, actions that we take, desires that would drive us to make moves towards I'm going to dwell in Petra as opposed to I'm going to move towards God at a loss. Do the actions and decisions that we make are they more career oriented? The career driven this view that I have of my life. We grow up, we graduate, we get married, we have two kids, we live here, we own this, and everything's really nice and really comfortable. 
And I take a lot of comfort in that. Is that what consumes us? Or are we looking to be like risk takers for God? Will I humble myself and say, hey, even in our process of coming here, we were pretty open to going pretty much where he wanted us to go. There was limits. I had no desire to live on the West Coast. God, please don't take me to the West Coast. Ohio never hit our minds. But for us, we were taking a big step. We were leaving everything we'd ever known. So in this look, in this verse, he starts with, the arrogance of your heart has deceived you. Who say in your heart, what do we know about our hearts? Huh? Desperately wicked. Don't trust him. When Rush says that, and he talked about when he and Catherine were dating, you can get engaged, talk to a spiritual man that he knew, and he looked at Rush and goes, I don't have a lot of answers. One thing I can tell you, don't trust your heart. And when I sit there, I'm going, mm, Really? I mean, that's what, we, that's what we, we trust, right? I mean, that's my heart, my emotions, my really lover. It's almost like saying, well, don't, don't trust that. That's just like, there's a part of that just on my front end, it's like, I want to repel that. But that's the way our hearts are. Look at Jeremiah 17. Five through ten. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is a man who trusts in mankind and makes his flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert, and he will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony waste in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose trust is in is, is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the waters that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear, will not fear when the heat comes. But it leaves, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. The heart is more deceitful than all else and it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Our heart has to be guarded. It has to be ruled. It has to be shown truth. Because in our pride and arrogance and in our love for ourself that still stays with us, wants to rise up within us. It's why you have to be careful of following your heart. I'll even take scripture, right, and twist it to make it fit my situation. So surely this is the will of God. It's why you need other men and women in your life to say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Does this sound right? No, there's a verse of scripture over there, man. It makes me wonder whether that's something you really ought to do. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Familiar passage of Scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. <laughs> That's a challenge. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Gentle spirit. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will do what? Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Is that really the way you remember that verse? Or do I kind of stop and go, man, his peace is going to come over me in my, and I will be in control in the peace of God. I'll still be in peace as I rule my life. 
God says, no, man, I'm going to give you peace. Why? So it will guard your heart and your mind because you will want to rise up. You may become prideful. It's there given to us to guard my heart because there's that tendency towards that. Guard my heart. Guards my mind. That's God's purpose. I'm just wanting peace. Right? I just want relief. I said, man, I'm going to give you more than that. Oh, guard, so you will, you will do this with me. Guards hearts. God says back in Obadiah, The arrogance of your heart has deceived you. you he, and, and, and he goes on, he says, and who say in your heart? Pride and arrogance, this is the third area to keep an eye out for. It makes us feel superior to God. Now you, you think of yourself as superior to God. I don't think many of us would want to say, yeah. I think most of us would probably say, well, I probably don't rise to that level. I think I know better than that. Right? God sees it. Nobody else may see it. But God sees it. He sees it in these people and he said, yeah, and you say, who will rise up against me? Nobody's going to, nobody. What does God say in verse 4? He says, look, though you build high like the eagle, here, let me get you up a little bit higher. Though you set your nest amongst the stars, that's pretty high. That's feeling pretty safe. That's feeling pretty big. I'm good. Can't get much higher. Who's going to get me there? Though your nest is amongst the stars, from there I, the Lord, I'll bring you down. I'll bring you down. You can't go somewhere where I can't. And then eventually I will make the correction. The patience and long-suffering and kindness and gentleness is over. For Edom, they will never be heard from again. In verse 10, it says, cut off forever. That's a scary thing. I briefly want to go back and remind, hey, in the exam, in, in the history part, there's a box. Yes, no. Did you check no? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring a warning to you, and I thought, this is something that we don't do much of, or you haven't heard much of. In my days of growing up, we used to have revivals. We used to have preachers that come through, we call evangelists, and you know what? They'd preach on hell. And they'd preach hard on hell. And they don't want to scare you into salvation. I don't know that that's necessarily all right, but I can tell you one, it ain't all wrong. We don't preach on hell. We're what much more grace-driven people. I think we're deluded a little here. We actually sang a song this morning, and it mentioned it. Did you catch it? God saved you from hell. For you, if you don't know Christ, that is your end. Your pride will lead you to destruction, an everlasting punishment of hell, fire, brimstone. We don't preach like this anymore. And I think the, the big danger of it is, is not that I'm trying to scare you, it's just that, but it's part of your destruction. If you remain in your pride and your self-worship, and you will not surrender to God and say, yes, I want you, I am yours, 
Save me from the wrath to come because it's coming. God will also one day you will die and it will be over. Your end and destruction is full. And I don't take any pleasure in this, but what I do want to say, you will not ever say no man cared for my soul. If for nothing else this morning, somebody's crying out for your soul. I take no pleasure in bringing, here's this great destruction, but if you see this, you know what will also happen in your salvation? It'll explode with gloriousness for the grace that God has given you. Your salvation against that backdrop is more and more astounding. Because what you will learn about the gospel is that if God doesn't come after you and give you faith and grace and that he will birth you into his family, that is my destruction. I am right there with you and only by the grace of God and the great love that he has demonstrated. That's the thing. That's not just where he is or how it is. He has demonstrated his great love towards you and that while we were in this situation and we were sinners... Bound for hell. No hope. There's nothing you can do to stop this. This is the only thing you can do is come to Christ. Come to Jesus. He's made the payment. He went to the cross. He shed His blood so that we could be clean. And we are clean. Clean. Made sons and daughters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Grace has been lavished on us. And so I come again and make another plea. Come to Jesus. Find somebody who can tell you more about the gospel if you need more answers. There's there's a time coming where it's all going to be over. It'll be finished. Are there things in our hearts that we say that will rise to the level of who will bring me down. I'm good. I'm on top of the world. My life's good. I'm single and I'm free. I can pretty much go and do what I want to do, spend the money the way I want to spend it. Or I'm married and I am becoming one with a mate. God may bless you with children. That's not a given. And then usually, like, if you can get a male and female, that's good. You're done. Stop. Don't do anymore. Take a risk for God and have more. My son looked at me the other day. He goes, I have no idea what you were thinking when you had a child at 40. I said, risk taking for God, man. Those are things and gifts that God has given us to raise up, what? To become more worshipers for Him and those who will go out and take the gospel to the world. Are you willing to take your kid and an arrow out of your quiver and you pull that thing and you shoot it and it goes and he hits the mark and he goes and he goes with everything that they have for Christ? Hopefully we haven't risen to this level. But I'm just telling you, it's in an unguarded heart. God clearly states it's in an unguarded heart. All right. So you're going to have to finish your exam this week. It's an open book. You can take that book that you have in your hand or your tablet or your pad or whatever it is, and you can search for everything that will help you examine and say... Here. If you happen to have pride or arrogance in your life, if you discover that this week, if you don't, you do. Keep looking. <laughs> but I want to give us a prescription. 
I don't want this to be such as like we all know we struggle with this. Pastor Rush even prayed. We, we go back and forth. We go back and forth. We go back and forth. But this is a great prescription because you can take it. You can take as much of it as you want. You can take it as often as you want. Actually, the best thing that could happen to you, you would get addicted to this. And it's free. And it's refillable as much as you need it. There's no charge. You won't have to go out on the corner. You won't have to steal and rob for it. It is there. Full. Free. It's available. I pray that you would get addicted to it. It's actually called Megas Keros Tepinos. Megas Keros Tepinos. Greater grace to the humble. Greater grace to the humble. What I want you to do is look and say, we need to go low. We're in a study, gentle and lowly. Go low for his namesake and for your joy. Quickly run over to John. It was a public reading this morning, chapter 13. Verses 1 through 17. Now I'm going to read all of it again, but it says, like Simon Peter, Lord, you wash my feet? Simon Peter, he says, never shall you wash my feet. Is he feeling big? Probably feeling a little safe and even going, I'm, I'm, I know better. You, you, you don't wash my feet. Is he bigger than God? Is he sitting here telling Jesus what to do? You think it's not in us? It's in us. My head. Wash my hands. Wash me all over. I want you to do more for me than you're doing for all the rest. What does Christ say? Jesus says, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. I think it's interesting, and there's something here that I think is like a secondary little teaching, or at least I think we can make application. He is clearly saying, going, if you're mine, you're clean. If you're mine, you're clean. You're fully clean. You're just as much in heaven today as you will be when you get there. Your place is secure. It's not going anywhere. Christ has made that payment. But I do think there is an application here of going, here, let me wash your feet. Why? Because I need Jesus to keep cleansing me and washing me. Not so that he washes all of me, but we know in one of the struggles here in our pride, and even when we realize it, what is it? I won't humble myself and come to Christ. I won't humble myself and draw near to God. I almost feel like, no, 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 I got to do something. Rush talked about this before. Hey, no, no, somebody wronged me. They need to make payment for me. No, somebody else will make payment for me and it'll all be good. No, 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 I want to punish that one. I want him to pay. We, 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 we don't like to come. Would you let, if Jesus walked in here today, would you let him wash your feet? Is there something in you to say, hmm, 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 hmm. I do think there is something here that he's saying, no, 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 I don't need to wash you all over again, Peter. You're, you're mine. But there's going to be times where it's like you need to Humble yourself and let me wash your feet. Jesus washes your feet. It'd be a pretty humbling experience. It'd be a great way to start your day every day as a reminder going, this is who we are. We are not, if we're seeing this, that pride and arrogance is more of what I see. I've got to get low. I got to get low. For his namesake, is at stake because that's not who he is in our pride and arrogance and we're his son and we're his daughters and, and that is not representing Jesus. 
and the price that has been paid. It doesn't look like Christ. And he says here, I'm giving you an example. Do this to one another. As you've seen, it's not that we go around washing each other's feet, but we humble ourselves. Here is the one who's come, God himself in the flesh, humbled himself, getting ready to go to the cross. Here he is, master teacher in this passage, and he's washing their feet. No, 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 no. This is who I am. It's what we're learning in ABF. This is who I really am. I'm gentle. I'm lowly. I will do whatever I can to lift you up and exalt you and help you in your walk with Christ. I will do everything I can to lift you up and let you see the gospel. I will forsake things. I will forsake safety. I will forsake pleasure and ease and comfort for you because you're just like me you don't deserve it but this is what's been done to me and i can't do nothing else but to come to you and say "Mm, let me do everything i can to forsake myself to lift you up to christ it's an example to follow he says you don't know this we know this you know this passage of scripture You know this? What does he say? Blessed are you when you do this. Blessed. Happy. Not begrudgingly. We talked about this a little bit in our community group the other night. Oh, I'll do it, but... mm. You ain't going to see it out here, but in here, I'm not real happy. Not real happy. No, this becomes our joy. Happy. Blessed. I'm walking with Christ, only in Christ and by grace that he's given to you. Greater grace. Megas, Karis, taping those so that we can do this because this is who I am. This is who you are. You as a prophet go out doing this is who we are. Keep going low. Let Jesus wash your feet. Get up in the morning and sit and let Jesus wash your feet. To remind us, why does God hate pride and arrogance? I think there's many reasons as we see. But I think one of the greatest ones, because we quit loving God when pride arises. We quit loving others when pride arises and arrogance. And I think of myself as big and I'm safe. I'm not going to venture away from my safety for somebody else. And I think of myself as more important than God. And Jesus says in that passage also, I'm not greater than he who sent me. Everything in there, just look at this, look at this, look at this. This is who I am. And this is who you are to be. I'm getting ready to send you all out. And there's a big chance you could get pretty arrogant in what God's going to do. God has this unbelievable love affair for you. Unbelievable. I always thought in James going, man, that seems like some harsh language. Be miserable. Mourn. Weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And then the more you sit there and you think about it and you look and you say, wow, when this happens, this is what it is. He says what? He calls us adulterers. You adulterous people. Why? Because you have started loving something other than God. You're committing an adultery. So we think lightly of it. In our pride, it's really not that bad. Everybody struggles with this. It comes and goes. 
would do a better job of examining and fighting if we see how we take our love and place it on something that is just ridiculous. Instead of loving God who has demonstrated his love to us in such an unbelievable fashion at the cost of his son. Somebody died for you. And it wasn't that he just died. There's no other way that you could be saved if this didn't happen. Go low for his name's sake. Go low for your joy. Blessed are you when you do this. Happy in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Megas Karis Tepanos. Father, you've given us an example. It would overwhelm us. We see the pride that wells up in us. We see our wandering. And yet even in looking at it in such a strong way, greater grace to the humble. Just draw near. Just draw near. And even in the language in there, come, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Come, let me wash your feet. Come. Draw near to me. I'll draw near to you. Let me wash your feet. You're just in need of washing your feet. You're mine. I love you. My love has never changed for you. You just need to let me wash your feet and go. Oh God, thank you so much for your word. Correct us. Encourage us. I pray that we'll see this as what a a huge calling that we are a part of. And, and, And it's just so frustrating when we see and we get lured away just by the things of this world. To steal our affections. Oh God, be quick to point those out and may we be quick to obey and to come and to draw near as you draw near to us. We love you. Oh, for the one who doesn't know you today, save them. Save them. Do it again and again and again. Use us. We love you. Thank you for saving us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. (laughs) 